Everybody, welcome back to another episode of It Came From Amity. Uh, First episode of the new year. Yeah. yeah. And the episode we're going to do today is the one we were supposed to close out 2022 with, but I was sick, so we took the week off. Um, So with that said, Happy New Year. Across from me, as always, is Noah. What's up? Um, So I... A little update. I will do the tick, the the. I will open up the new TikTok channel for Came from Amity this weekend. I was supposed to last weekend, but I felt so ill. I just don't want to mess with it. Everybody has been sick lately. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's, the bugs going around, and um, I've been sick twice in two months. So I'm I'm hopefully done. But I was just feeling so ill. I didn't want to mess with it. Um, just wasn't in the mood. So I promised it'd be up, but. It didn't, so it is what it is. But this weekend it will be. So the Came From Amity TikTok channel will be operational by the end of today. Um, okay. So we'll do. A, we'll do, try to do like a little mini ghost hunt or something on there. Yeah, that'd be fun. It would be fun. We always keep talking about that. But. I know, and um, and that's another thing too is um, I will do something. Uh, at my Facebook is still inoperable. My personal Facebook is still inoperable for the next twelve days. So therefore, that's why. The Facebook account's been really quiet. Is I can't post anything to the account. Right. Um, but just check on our, if you're subscribed to us on Anchor and Spotify. Yeah. You'll get everything. Yes. So. And also on YouTube as well. I can still yeah. post on YouTube. Which to be I honest, we haven't really been doing that much lately, so no, you're with, not missing much with, right now. With me being sick off and on, and then with some other stuff that's come up. Something with always Noah, comes up with something. We we've been kind of quiet, but hopefully that picks up. So right. social media should be picking up. Uh, this weekend on YouTube, the TikTok channel will be operational by the end of the day. Hopefully, actually, within the next few hours. Um, and I'll do some stuff on that. And the TikTok will not just be our original content. It'll be stuff that I find as well that I'll repost. Um, and yeah. and there's a three-minute cap, so I can always find stuff on the Internet to help repub as, on, on there as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. If you have a TikTok, that's a great place to find us by the end of the day. Um so, like I said, last week we were supposed to close out 2022 with the final part of the true crime series that we were going to do. Um, this episode was going to be the uh, L.A. shootout. Yep. Or the North Hollywood shootout, whatever you want to call it. I like the L.A. shootout. It sounds like a movie. It, or, or like a really cool like video game. Yeah, L.A. shootout. Uh, so, some of you may be very familiar with this true crime incident. Um, they made a, a small little movie about it. It wasn't a big budget. No, movie, and it was kind of a hokey film, but yeah. it's a decent one for what it is. Yeah, but um, it's almost like a TV movie. I think it was. Yeah, if I'm not, if it I'm probably not mistaken. it probably was then. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't make an actual movie. It could be a definite blockbuster for sure. And also, I know that if you remember Lethal Weapon Four, yeah, the worst one out of all of them. Mm-hmm. There's a scene there where they're fighting a guy in L.A. on the street, and he's got full body armor on and a flamethrower. Yes. And then Mel Gibson shoots him in the back in the in the pipe. Yeah, the, in the, the uh, tube. Pack, yeah. Yeah. That kind of I think that might have been kind of copied from the L.A. shootout because he was walking down the street in armor, just blasting. Oh you yeah. Know? So that kind of reminded me of that. But that's the closest thing they've came to making a big budget movie. Out Pretty of much. It. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean. And that's yeah, I mean that's probably pretty close. That's actually probably the closest they've got yeah. to doing something that mimics or references that right for what it really was. I mean, it's a very simple story. Two guys rob a bank. Two guys walk down the street and shoot cops. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I That's mean, literally what happened. It really is. And the guy, the two guys um, that we'll be talking about, they were actually lifelong criminals, really. Yeah. That, well, their career ended that day. Yeah. So we'll get into it um, and talk about Now, I'm going to tell you right now that there is one guy in particular whose name I know for a fact that I'm going to butcher. Mm, let me see it. It's um, yeah, it's the second name there. So you get the picture there. I'm the, I'm showing no the wiki uh, entry right now. It looks Matasarinu, Matasarinu, Matasarinu. That Matasarinu. His first name is Emil, so that's just call him Matt. Matt. Okay. Yeah. His first name is Emil. E M I L, and that's how I'm going to refer to him. I'm not evil gonna, Emil. I'm not going to bother with the last name. Evil Emil. So, um. You got the two culprits. Their name was Larry Phillips Jr. and Emil. Matt Asaranu. Matt. We'll call him Matt or Emil, whatever. (laughs) Emil Matt. Emil. Um, So this happened on February 28th of 1997 in uh, the North Hollywood District of Los Angeles, California. Yep. There had never been anything like this before. No. Even, even though it's a massive city with a lot of crime. And this incident actually would actually change the way that a law of law enforcement would deal with uh, shootouts in the yeah. future. Because then they started to realize, oh, our criminals could actually be smart and prepared. Yes. So and, we have to learn how to combat that. And this is kind of where the militar- militarization of the police started. Yeah. This was like the dawn of that era. Um. So it's uh, the time that it actually started was right around nine sixteen in the morning. Um, it happened at the Bank of America branch in North Hollywood, Los yeah. Angeles. We're talking North Hollywood, which would be a nicer area, you know. Yes, like this would kind of been. I'm pretty sure. North Hollywood. I'm not. I'm not yeah. too familiar. You you visited I, that area. Yeah, but I don't know what North and South and West. I know West Hollywood's nicer. But I don't know anything else right. other than that. Yeah. So, but I'm assuming it was uh, it was okay. I mean, obvious. Know? I mean, they felt because they, they were they felt like crimes like this didn't happen, so they were probably a little spoiled there, thinking, "Oh, well, that's a nice." That kind of tells you right there it was an affluent neighborhood, right? Because they weren't prepared. It was just well. I mean, at know? the time, I mean, this was what '97, right? Right. So '97. I mean, in the '90s, stuff like this didn't really happen. Yeah. Like at, at least at this level. And most of the criminality that law enforcement went up against were not as armored and right. as armed as these two men were. And we'll go into that. So the weapons that were used was a, well, Phillips used a Norinco Type 56S, a Norinco Type 56S-1, an HK HK-91, a Beretta 92FS, which the Norincos and the HKs were rifles. The Beretta 92FS is a pistol. Okay, I'm looking up North Hollywood now. Mm-hmm. It's in the San Fernando Valley. It contains the arts district, the mm-hmm. theaters, art galleries, Academy of TV Arts and Sciences. So, yeah, I mean, it would be the... It's a nicer place. It's nicer, yeah. Yeah. So. It's the razzle-dazzle of... It's not quite like classic Hollywood, right. but it's a, it's a suburb kind of... Artsy-fartsy kind of... Yeah. Yeah. So... That's cool. Now we know a little bit about that. Um, so Emil, he had a Bushmaster XM15, uh, <clears throat> an E2S dissipator, and a Norinco Type 5.6S, and those were rifles as well. Um, so at 916, 
Phillips and Enel entered and robbed the Bank of America North Hollywood branch. And then does after it say how much they took? Uh, it does, yes. Okay. And the two robbers were confronted by LAPD officers when they exited the bank and the shootout began. Uh, they tried to flee the scene. Phillips ran on foot and Emil tried to in, in the vehicle and while at the same time trying to exchange gunfire with the officers. And the shootout continued into the streets adjacent to the bank until Phillips became mortally wounded and succumbed to a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And then Emil was incapacitated by officers three blocks away and then bled to death before the arrival of medics. Now, this later. was after they caused extreme amounts of damage yes. and death. It wasn't something that was over quick, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Phillips and Emil had actually robbed at least two other banks prior using similar methods. Um, and they would gain entry past bulletproof security doors, and they would take control of the entire bank, firing weapons that had been illegally modified to enable full auto fire. And they were also suspects in two armored car robberies. Uh, and these robberies would actually would be used to help finance this one. Sounds like The Town, the movie The Town. Yes. Remember when they robbed the the armored car mm-hmm. and the guard, he shot the guard? Yep. Yeah. I, I, Jeremy Renner killed. got a little crazy in that movie. Well, one of the armored car instances actually did kill one of the yeah. uh, uh, armored car uh, officers. I think the town was based on a true story. I'm pretty sure. I had no idea. I don't remember. But, yeah, anyway. So, at the time in law enforcement, the standard weapons carried by patrol officers at the time were 9mm pistols and 38 special revolvers. Which the revolvers were starting to sunset in yeah, issue. Yeah, why would any cop want to carry that <laughs> well uh, at you the know. time a lot of the officers that were still carrying the 38 special revolver were cops that had been you know in service for the last 10 to 20 yeah. years those are meant for close quarters well, right like because they're not accurate at a certain point i mean they're pretty accurate i mean if you're trained they're, yeah. they're still i mean they're pretty deadly. But like for a shootout where you're shooting across the street into a bank you wouldn't want to use one of those well, i mean at least because for the most part there are six. There are six shots. Yeah. When you know it most takes forever to reload. Yeah, especially stuff. since most pistols are you know even in single stack you're still looking at you know seven rounds, nine rounds, fifteen rounds. Son of Sam used one of those, mm-hmm. and he was so inaccurate. Like remember, oh, yeah. he would shoot to kill, and he would miss completely. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Especially when your dander's up and you're shaking, you're you're gonna have right. a hard time. But um, but yeah, I mean you uh, ninety seven. I mean because I mean retirement age for law enforcement you're looking at 25 years yeah before you can really retire so in 97 if you got a cop that's been in service for 10 years you know he's been in since 87 he's probably still carrying a revolver because that's what he's always oh, carried. I'm sure yeah so it wasn't until the 90s where a lot of uh, law enforcement started using semi-auto pistols um so phillips and like i said email had carried the Norinco Type 5.6, which was a Chinese clone of the AK-47. The Bushmaster XM-15 Dissipator with a 100-round drum magazine, also called a Betamag. Um, and an H&K 91 rifle, which is a very heavy battle rifle, by the yeah. way. They're like 12 pounds, I remember, if I remember right. Um, and all of them, except for the H&K 91, had been modified to be... Uh, which uh, Select fire, which means it can be... You select the uh, the switch from fi- uh, safe to semi to full auto. 
Now, some of them have burst, but these I Here think we go. are auto. Yep. Noah's phone, I've been here for about an hour. Noah's phone has not gone off all Once. morning. Right. We start recording, and now he's getting dinged. Yep. Anyway. Um, and also, they had the Breda 92FS pistol, which if you look up a Breda 9mm, that was actually standard carry for uh, the military for a long time, up until about the last three or four years. Um, the robbers wore homemade body armor, which protected them from handgun rounds and shotgun pellets fired by the responding officers. Um, during the shootout, uh, SWAT, the SWAT team was, uh, became engaged with higher caliber weapons, but they had little effect on body armor used by the two perpetrators. And later on, the SWAT team would also commandeer an armored car to evacuate the wounded. And several officers would also go to a gun store where they would equip themselves with AR-15s and other semi-automatic rifles. Which, like I said, the incident would also spark debate amongst um, um, law enforcement agencies across the, across the nation about upgrading their firepower in preparation for similar situations in the future. Right. So due to the large number of injuries and rounds fired, um, equipment used by the robbers and overall length of the shootout is regarded as the most intense and significant gun battle in U.S. police history. Um, it is estimated that the two men, the, the perpetrators, fired 1,100 rounds in total, while approximately 650 rounds in were fired In 44 by minutes yeah. it took. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. It, when you think about it, that's a total of right around 2,000 rounds that was fired yeah. between the two parties. Now, obviously, not every round hit somebody, right. but still, that's, that's a lot. Now, a lot of rounds actually did hit the two perpetrators, but because of their homemade body armor, it had right. a little effect. Um, so the two, so the backgrounds of the two men, Larry Eugene Phillips Jr. was born on September 20th of 1970 to a decibel Stefan Emilian. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I butchered that. Larry Jean Phillips was born September 20th, 1970 and decibel Stefan Emilian or Emil, uh, his last name. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember it now, but was yeah. born on July 19th of 66 and they first met at a Gold's Gym in Venice, Los Angeles, in California in 1989. Oh, no. Yep. It's like pain and gain. Exactly. Exactly. Got to get my pump, bro. Uh, so they met at the Gold's Gym, and they had a mutual interest in weightlifting, bodybuilding, and firearms. And before meeting, Phillips had actually been an habitual offender, responsible for multiple real estate scams and counts of shoplifting. Uh, while Romanian-born Emil had a qualified... He was actually a qualified electrical engineer... And ran a unsuccessful computer repair business. Oh, okay. So he was an educated man uh, to a point. And I guess, uh, let's see, July 20th, 93, Phillips and Emil robbed an armored car outside a branch of First Bank in Littleton, Colorado. Then on October 29th, they arrested in Glendale, northwest of Los Angeles, for operating a stolen vehicle. A uh, search of the vehicle after Phillips surrendered with a concealed weapon found two semi-auto rifles, two handguns, more than 1,600 rounds of 7.62 by 39 rifle ammunition, which, for those who may not know, 7.62 by 39 is the most common caliber for the uh, sorry for the AK-47 and other usually Eastern European type firearms. Very cheaply made ammunition, but very plentiful. Um, they also had 1,200 rounds of 9 by 19 uh, millimeter parabellum, uh, 
45 ACP handgun ammunition, radio scanners, smoke bombs, um, IEDs, body armor vest, and three different California license plates. How do they get all that, you know? Um, Just carrying that, and it's crazy. Probably stole a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, would be my guess, or illegally purchased them. Um, initially, they were charged with conspiracy to commit robbery. Both served 100 days in jail and were placed on three years of probation due to plea bargaining. After their release, most of their seized property was returned to them, except for the confiscated firearms and explosives, obviously. Um, on June 14th of 95, uh, Phillips and Emil ambushed a Brinks armored car in Winnetka, Los Angeles. Winnetka. One... Yeah. Oh, okay. Winnetka. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they killed one of the guards. His name was Herman Cook, and they seriously wounded the other. On May of 96, they robbed two branches of Bank of America in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. Why do they keep going to Bank of America? It's like, pick another one, dude. I think at the time, Bank of America was a very prominent branch on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, They stole approximately $1.5 million in all this. The pair were dubbed the High Incident Bandits by investigators due to the weaponry they had used in three robberies prior to their attempt in North Hollywood. So, on February 28th of 97, after months of preparation that included extensive reconnaissance of the intended target, the Bank of America branch located at 6600 Laurel Canyon Boulevard, uh, Phillips it's and It's a nice Emil, place there. So Sounds like it. Laurel Canyon, yeah. Uh, Phillips and Emil both armed themselves with a semi-automatic HK-91 and several illegally converted weapons. Uh, two of the uh, Chinese clone AK-47s, uh, which I actually had a Norinco at one time. No, I take that back. I did not have the Norinco. I had a Romanian variant of the AK-47. My dad had a Norinco, I think. No, he had a Romanian too. Never mind. Hmm. Um, they had a... F- so yeah, they had two Norinco Type 5.6S rifles, a fully automatic Norinco Type 56S-1, and a fully automatic Bushmaster XM15 dissipator. If I remember right, the Bushmaster is an... I think the XM15 was a variant of the AR, if I remember right. Uh, the robbers allegedly filled a jam jar full of gasoline and placed it in the back seat with the intention of setting the car and weapons on fire to destroy evidence after the robbery. So basically, they just put a bomb in the back seat. Essentially, yeah, a combustible um, glass jar of gasoline. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, it's going to blow up if something hits it. You know. Well, gasoline's not really. It's not. It's not an explosive like that. It's just really flammable. True. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends, though. Like, wouldn't it blow up if there was pressure to it and it got shot suddenly or something? Not really. Because so that's I mean, just a movie thing then. It is. Yeah. It's like it's like when cars blow up when you shoot the so gas tank. It would most likely just spill out and just fire. It yeah. Just just a fire. Exactly. Okay. Because then your car would always be just a ticking time bomb. Yeah. But it would go up in flames pretty freaking quick. Yes. Yeah. Which is exactly so, what they wanted. Right. Um Phillips wore roughly 40 pounds of equipment, including a Type 3A bulletproof vest and groin guard, a load-bearing vest with multiple military military ammo patches. So if you think of, like, the tactical vest that, like, special operators wear, yeah. combat uh, soldiers wear. So it's got the magazine pouches, and it might carry, uh, depending on how the loadout is, it might actually have a holster for a sidearm. 
might have can't uh, pouches for canteens. It's basically, a Swiss things. Army knife of vests. Yeah, I mean, it makes everything readily accessible. Um, it had several pieces of homemade body armor created from spare vests covering his shin, thighs, and forearms. Emo wore only a Type Three A bulletproof vest, but included a metal ballistic plate to protect vital organs. Also, each man had a, a watch sewn onto the back of one glove in order to monitor their timing. So these guys thought it through. Had had carefully planned this entire operation. Yeah, I mean, they knew that this wasn't a desperation last minute rob a gas station gig. Right. Like, this was. It's like the town. Yeah. I mean, you if know? you like, if you if you played GTA Five and yeah. you did like the multiplayer missions where, where you like plan playing the missions, heist, yeah, it's like that except. This was way more well thought out. Yeah. Um, they also took uh, the uh, the barbiturate phenobarbital, which Emil had prescribed to him. Uh, they took it so they could calm their nerves. Yeah. Uh, the forensic toxicology lab at the coroner's office later also found ephedrine um, and phenylpropyl. Let's see. Phenylpropanolamine in Phillips' blood. And. So basically, they took downers and uppers. Yeah. Basically. They, they yeah. took. Yeah. Basically, amphetamine. Yeah. Phenotoin in Emil's blood. So they drove a white 87 Chevy Celebrity. And when it arrived at the branch around 916, it set their alarms for eight minutes. And the reason why they set their alarms. Uh, for eight minutes was because that's what they had been monitoring on their police scanners for about the estimated response time for law enforcement. So they would, they would listen to the radio scanner. They would hear the dispatch go out and they would hear the police mark and route and they would wait for the police to mark on scene. Yeah. And they started averaging the times. And what they realized is it took an average of eight minutes from time of dispatch to time on scene about eight minutes. Which is actually still roughly the response time today. Yeah, it's really not that bad. Uh, do, do, do. So, to come, uh, like I said, uh, so the two, as the two were walking in, so this is how it, it, it how it escalated so fast. As the two were walking in, they were spotted by two LAPD officers, Lauren Farrell and Martin Pareo, 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 who were driving down Laurel Canyon in a patrol car. So bad timing. Talk about bad timing today. Yeah, there's a, yeah you guys let's get a might thousand get texts out of nowhere, and then let's get a train. It's a good dramatic effect. Right. Um, so, like I said, as the two were walking in, a patrol car is literally walking in, and they see Phillips and Emo walk in fully, yeah. you know, dressed to the nines. And, and they're like, that's not decked right. Out. And they're like, oh, no. That's not good. No. Officer Farrell issued a call on the radio. 15A43, requesting assistance. We have a possible 211 in progress at the Bank of America. Uh, 211 is uh, police code for robbery. Robbery. Armed robbery. As they entered the bank, each armed with their Chinese AK-47s, e uh, Phillips and Emil forced a customer leaving ATM lobby near the entrance into the bank and onto the floor. The security guard in Saul saw the scuffle, and the heavily armed robbers radioed his partner, and, and he radioed his partner in the parking lot to call the police. The call was not received. Phillips shouted, um, this is a holdup, before he and Emil opened fire into the ceiling in an attempt to scare the approximately 30 bank staff and customers to the industry. This has been a massive bank. It seems like it because 
30 staff. I mean, yeah, I've never seen 30 staff in a bank, let alone no. a grocery store or anywhere. If it's in Laurel Canyon, it's probably pretty big. Probably. It's probably a pretty busy branch. Yeah. So Emil shot up the bulletproof door, which was designed to resist only low-velocity rounds and gain access to the tellers in the vault. The robbers forced assistant manager John Villagrana to open the vault. Villagrana obliged and began to fill the robber's money bag. However, due to a change in the bank's delivery schedule, the vault contained significantly less than the 750000 the gunman had expected. So they expected a certain amount. Almost a mil, three-quarter mil. Yeah. Yeah. And But because of the delivery schedule, yeah. it was a lot less. So that pissed them off. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happened. In range at this development, uh, Emil argued of learned Regrana and demanded more. In an apparent show of frustration, Emil then fired a full drum magazine of 75 rounds of the bank's safe destroying much of the remaining money. He then attempted to open the bank's ATM, but due to a change of policies, the branch manager no longer had access to the money inside. And before leaving, the robbers locked the hostages in the bank vault. In the end, the two left with $303,305 in three die packs, which later exploded, ruining the money they stole. So now these two men had nothing. All that for nothing. Exactly. Yeah, these men had nothing so to show it, for any of their That's effort. why it was just in a shootout, because it's like, yeah. well, you know. So outside, the first responding officers heard their gunfire, and they a radioed call, shots fired, before taking cover behind their patrol car. Uh, while the robbers were still inside, more uh, of uh, law enforcement from the North Hollywood Division and detectives arrived and took strategic positions at all four corners of the bank, establishing a perimeter around it. So this guarantees that they're not going to be able to get away. Yeah. Or without, at least without being seen. Right. Um, and then at 9.24 a.m., Phillips exited through the north doorway after spotting a police cruiser about 200 feet away, opened fire for several minutes. In the initial shooting, Whew. Phillips wounded Sergeant Dean Haynes, Officers Martin Whitfield, James Zaborva, Zaborvan? Sebulba. <laughs> Sebulba. And Stuart Guy and Detectives William Krulak and Tracy Angelus, as well as three civilians that take cover behind Sergeant Haynes' patrol car. uh, Phillips also fired at an LPD helicopter flown by Charles D. Paraguay Jr. as it surveyed the scene from above, forcing it to withdraw to a safer distance. Uh, Phillips then went back inside, then came back out through the north doorway while Emil exited through the south exit. So now they've split up. So Phillips and Emil then continued to gauge the officers firing at sporadic bursts into patrol cars as, it, as they were they had positioned on Laurel Canyon in front of the bank and in the parking lot across the street. Um, officers at this time were mostly armed with the Beretta 92 FS 9mm pistol, the Smith & Wesson Model 1538 Special Evolvers, and 12-gauge Ithaca Model 37 pump action, pump action shotguns. Holy cow. Mm. Hold on, I need to wet my whistle here. What the, um, quick. So, hey, all, this, this, all this is going on. Now, I'll remind you, these guys have their body armor on. None of the weapons that the law enforcement have at this particular moment is doing any damage to the body armor. It's not no, penetrating at all. It's doing nothing. Um, and not only that, but the pistols also didn't have a sufficient range to do what they needed to do. 
An officer was also heard on the police frequency approximately 15 minutes into the shootout, warning all other officers that they should not stop the getaway vehicle. They've got automatic weapons, and there's nothing that we have that can stop them. Additionally, the officers were also pinned down by the heavy sprays of gunfire coming from the robbers, making it extremely difficult for attempt at a headshot with the handguns. It was at this point that several officers acquired five AR-15-style rifles from a nearby gun shop to help combat this problem. So what we're going to do is we're going to fast forward a little bit. And we're going to get to some of the good stuff, I guess you could say. So it's at this point during their attempted escape that there was an officer, Richard Zelensky, who had used cover adjacent at a Del Talco restaurant West Wall, which was about 351 feet from Phillips. He fired 86 9mm rounds at Phillips and believed that one hit Phillips during the exchange. Zelensky also was able to use his position to draw Phillips fire away from Sergeant Haynes and Officer Whitfield, who were both wounded and only had marginal cover behind trees. Um, Detective Bancroft and Potento Harley, in particular, were able to position themselves also behind a wall, and they fired about 15 and 24 rounds respectively at Phillips from a distance of approximately 55 feet. <laughs> I, my mouth is really dry. So after Emil backed into the Chevy Celebrity out of the handicapped space in the North parking lot, Phillips received a gunshot wound to his left wrist. And yeah, it was his left wrist. And at the same time, LAPD fire also struck the HK rifle that Phillips was firing, rendering it absolutely useless as, it, as that round penetrated the receiver of the rifle. Okay. So the receiver of a rifle, for those who do not know, is actually where the round is K or is housed, um, and all the operating parts of the rifle actually are. Right. So all that internal workings, once a rifle uh, a round penetrates that or it's damaged in any way, it may actually receive that gun completely useless. All right, guys. So we had to take a pause there for a minute because there's a we're issue. hectic. We're all hectic. So today. what we're going to do is we're since it's going to be a little longer than what we yeah. anticipated. What we're, we're like what, do, not even halfway through yet. We still got barely because yeah, there's a while. still a lot of detail. Yeah, and we don't want to just be lazy and write it off. So we're going to because we could do this and basically make it into like a shell. Yeah. and I don't want to do that. Oh my goodness! So anyway, Casey's got heartburn. <laughs> I mean, my mouth and throats are really, really dry. So what we're going to do is we're going to break this into two episodes. So we're going to end here with the initial part of the shootout where the guys actually start getting wounded. And then next week we'll continue with part two where we pick up. Right. And then we'll end and we'll start talking about some of the other details. I mean, we all know what the ending is. They die. So there's no trial or anything. So thank God. So, but we'll part two will be the the conclusion of everything and what, and the aftermath. So um, with that said, Next week will be the conclusion and the aftermath. And stay tuned. This we'll, yeah. It's incomplete, but just stay tuned. Yeah, we'll get you guys. Yeah. So with that said, I'm going to do the quick housekeeping part. Tell your friends and family about us and, you, and tell them where they can find us. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Overcast, Spotify, Radio Public. Uh, pretty much almost anywhere but iHeartRadio for some reason. I keep always up looking to see if that changes, and it never does. So right. it is what it is. So um, 
I also looked, tried to find our Teespring store. It does not exist at all. I don't know what's going on. I gave up on it, dude. Like, I even <laughs> went through the proper link itself, and it does. It shows it's not existing. So, yeah. Teespring apparently closed it out. So, it does not exist. So, we are trying to look for another outlet for that. Um, we might just try it again and just name it under an account of, like, your name or something. Yeah. We'll figure you know? it out. But um, we're looking for other venues and other options. So. Right. With that said, you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. And, um, you know, just... uh, Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, you guys have a good weekend.